Uh, it took a lot of um, introspection. You know, I was going through a really difficult time late last year where just a lot of things in my life were changing and there was just a lot of uncertainty. And I started to, you know, look more into meditation. I started reading a, little, a couple more books on just like perspectives on how to manage, you know, stress. I read the book called The Upside of Stress. It was an excellent book. Uh, so things like that helped me learn mindset shifts, learn coping mechanisms. Mm. Not that I was unable, I'm a, I'm a pretty resilient, I like to think of myself as pretty resilient in nature, Right. but I always worry about things that were so far down the line or out of my control that it was affecting me too much in a moment. So I think I've done a better job after just a few negative life experiences to be like, okay, this sucks, but how am I going to be a better version of myself afterwards? So What is up, my thoughtful friends? Welcome to episode number four of the Think It podcast, where we are dedicated to building better thoughts and crafting our own futures. Our guest today is Dr. Jordan Seda, physical therapist. He's the owner of The Abstract Physio, where his focus is on lifestyle modification and a holistic approach to musculoskeletal rehab. He trains capoeira, a Afro-Brazilian martial art. You'll hear more about that later and how I'm horrible at saying the word. And we talk about how to manage anxiety, stress, and how to cope with change, among other things. Please enjoy Enjoy this fantastic conversation with Jordan Seda. All right, we are recording. Jordan, hey, thanks for joining me here today. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. I uh, I love getting on podcasts and talking shop with people. Uh, I respect you and what you're doing out there in California. Uh, definitely pushing the needle forward. So anything I can do. Uh, at this time, I'm willing to do. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And you're you're uh, you're still in New York, right? I am in the hotbed of America. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! How's that? Yeah. How how are you holding up? Uh, personally, I am adapting better than I thought I would be to these changes. Uh, I usually only leave to go exercise or get groceries. Haven't left my neighborhood via public transportation in over a week. You know, I had to tell my parents I won't be seeing them for a while. Even my brother who lives in New Jersey won't be seeing him for a while. Uh, but, you know, I think the level of panic here is real because I think one way or another, aside from just media outlets telling us that numbers are skyrocketing, I know people or former clients that are positive with COVID-19. And yeah. the more people I be I've been associated with the habit, the more it just sinks in that this is not something to take lightly and that we need to really exercise all precautions possible, mm. uh, even if it's at the detriment of our well-being or quality of life for a short period of time, it's what we need to do right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you, man. I think there were, like with almost any uh, any business, any pandemic any sort of like new thing there's there's people who are early adopters you know so there are the people who are shouting right. from the rooftops early um and you know then there are the people who doubted the people who didn't want to believe it and now you're seeing 
now that the cases are coming in, you're seeing a lot more people who were on the fence who are now like, oh, okay, like we need to, we need to like squash this thing before it really gets out of control. Right. Yeah. Um, so Jordan, tell me a little bit about your background. Um, so are you, are you from, you from New York or uh, where, where are you from and what are you, uh, what are you doing for a living now? Yeah. Uh, so I'm a kid from the Jersey Shore. So when I say that, if anyone was uh, in college or growing up around the late 2000s, we became infamous for this TV show on MTV. Uh, I, <laughs> I am not like that at all. I am very proud to be where I'm from and the greater population of the area does not misbehave in that manner. There's a lot of good people down there. Um, so I grew up down there. I had a, a really good childhood. You know, I played football, track and baseball. And, you know, it was that typical like jock with the varsity yeah, jacket yeah, and everything yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, then I, uh, I went only slightly north from where I grew up to go to Rutgers for undergrad. And a lot of doors opened up there in terms of just me, first of all, understanding that I wanted to be a physical therapist since high school after sustaining two ankle sprains and having different experiences, one positive, one negative, with two different types of providers and realizing the impact of having continuous sessions with somebody and really getting to connect with them versus going to see a physician every six to eight weeks. I'm seeing people once, maybe twice a week, and I'm really getting to know them well, getting to know their families well, and really getting to the root of what they need. So I saw that very early on. And Rutgers had a very good program uh, for pre-physical therapy, if you will, but it wasn't called that. And I felt really prepared going through undergrad. And then I got to Columbia, which is where I became acquainted with you, mm -hmm. um, studying physical therapy. And uh, I've been in practicing in New York City since 2015. It's kind of crazy to think that I graduated that long ago. Uh, but uh, so now I am working. So I've been practicing. I did, you know, the typical in-network thing for a while. And now right. I am doing out-of-network cash-based work. Mm -hmm. uh, I have my own business, which is the Abstract Physio. And I'm trying to basically create the ideal environment that I see to give patients what they've been lacking from the conventional healthcare system, which is this holistic approach, which I don't really think should be coined that way, where people are just people and they should be treated like people and understood yeah. from a that there is more to life than muscles and bones versus right. being, you know, passed along the system, looking at MRIs to find things that may or may not be contributing to pain versus like maybe modifying someone's lifestyle through conversation, through facilitation of movement and just doing it in an incredibly informal way. Like I never have any of my clients call me doctor. I know there's some contention with that in our profession, but I, am just Jordan and the focus should just be on restoring your, your quality of life and getting you back to doing what you love to do. Mm. Yeah. I love that, man. That's, that's exactly uh, why I started my business too. Um, I, I also did a similar thing where worked in, in network uh, spot and saw, you know, quite a few patients a day and, just didn't feel like I could really give that level of service that I think people deserved. Um, so kudos to you for also uh, recognizing that early. 
um, it's it's tough. Um, the I mean, if you, I mean if you start an in network or out of network business or cash cash pay, there's there's challenges in both. Of course, or different barriers that you have to overcome. But I think um, both can be done well. It's just uh, different different challenges on either side, for sure. Yeah, and I think we're seeing that in particular right now, given that uh, the coronavirus has turned our industry upside down. Yeah, and the way that in-network practices are not only considering, you know, opening and continuing operations at this time versus most of us out-of-network cash-based uh, providers have gone strictly virtual um, to help facilitate social distancing and, mm -hmm. uh, de you know, flatten the curve, if you will. So even in that perspective, you see a difference between uh, business models. Sure. Yeah. And then no. you go Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. It's, uh, so and then I was going to tie that in. I don't know if we were going to talk about this a little bit later and just how to adapt given that, you know, in-person in in contact is to be kept at a minimum right now, only mm -hmm. if essential, where we can, as out-of-network cash-based providers, strip mainly cash-based, it's pretty easy just to set up a virtual telehealth yeah. uh, platform where okay this is my my price uh do you have you know finding a platform in which to hold telehealth visits and uh you pay directly there's no we don't have to worry about is this particular insurance carrier going to cover this which codes do we use and those are the challenges that i think in network places are facing right now is like legislation continues to change daily about what yeah. is going to be covered and what is not so nobody really knows how to move forward. And I think we're, you know, in insurance-based models are just continuing to figure it out. And that's why I think it's been more difficult to administer telehealth from that perspective right now. Yeah. Do you think, I've been thinking about this a lot, but do you think that uh, with, so now like basically everyone's going to telehealth, right? Like, like for you had, you had a few people doing it. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Rob Vining, um, yes, but like him and and others have been doing telehealth for years, but now the market is saturated with uh, sure. people doing telehealth. So, do you right. think that uh, we will be able to like? Do you think that the the supply of telehealth now is going to be higher than the demand, or do you think that um, there's some balance there? I think there there can be a balance. I mean, I think the overall economic situation in the United States is going to mildly decrease the demand because people have to look after the essentials first, right? Where it's like if you have a family to feed and your employment status is either je is jeopardized somehow by the coronavirus, you have to make sure that those essentials are taken care of before you can consider uh, seeing a provider, whether it be in person or through telehealth. So, but at the same time, people continue to seek guidance because their quality of lives are not only impacted because they can't leave their houses as much, mm -hmm. or, but now they're in pain and they're having right. trouble coping with it. And resources like telehealth are great because we can still provide you know, guidance through our communication, discussing you know, what, how their sleep habits have been, how their nutrition and just overall stress levels have been. 
and, and, and take that into consideration along with maybe they used to be a gym rat and now which type of exercises can they do, are they doing uh, to make up for, you know, the lost time in the gym. And I know that has been a struggle for me. Uh, so I can't imagine, you know, for other people, you know, making that transition is difficult. And there are people who can still provide guidance in that regard. So I think it ultimately comes down to the supply is definitely greater. The demand might be slightly lesser, but it's up to us to kind of sell ourselves as being capable of helping mm -hmm. people through this difficult time. Yeah. And, you know, why me versus you? Well, first of all, uh, operating as a physical therapist only limits me to work within New York State. So I can't, I am not a competitor to you regardless. I found that out yesterday. I was listening to, uh, did you listen to the clinical athlete webinar with uh, Frank Benedetto? Um, I think I signed up for it, but I didn't, uh, I didn't watch yeah. it yet. It was pretty insightful. And uh, it's funny that if you don't label yourself as offering physical therapy services, technically you have a little bit of, I mean, there's always inherent risk, I guess, when you operate through this platform, but understanding like the scope of your practice to your state. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you're just offering like wellness coaching yeah. versus physical therapy services. Correct. But even still, I can, I feel comfortable providing guidance within New York state. And uh, that's how I'm moving forward at this time until, you know, new legislation or more finite direction is uh, determined. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I actually, uh, before we hopped on this call, I was uh, chatting with uh, my, my healthcare attorney and I was asking her all of these questions um, mm -hmm. of, you know, well, what, what if we provide services to outside of our state or what if we do like Facebook groups and are providing education? Like, how can we, how do we position ourselves like that? Can we, do we, and, and basically it all comes down to what that webinar was saying is uh, like, there is a gray area for sure. Um, but if you don't say, if you actually, if you make it completely clear that, Hey, this is purely educational and this is not establishing a patient physical therapist relationship. Um, you know, there's, there's enough gray area to where you'd probably be okay. There's always the chance that it's, you know, right. it's kind of a risk, but yeah, I mean, I think people are going to be going down all these different types of avenues to, I know there's people building online courses, there's all this type mm -hmm. of stuff. So, um, and for me, I mean, just, I don't know, it's probably going to be like this in, in New York too, but I was just reading that, um, governor, uh, Newsom in California, Gavin Newsom, he is, he was like, Hey, uh, we might be doing this for like six to eight weeks. Like we might be in a shelter in place for longer, like, much longer than this. So um, yeah. I think people need to prepare, especially business owners and uh, therapists who are working multiple different part-time gigs. Like we need to prepare for, maybe we won't be able to open for a while. What are we going to do about it? Um, because I see a lot of people right now, and this kind of goes into our, 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 uh, our next point of like, just people are panicking. People are really freaking out. And I mean, it's a scary time. Um, and I totally understand that, but, um, we have to, you know, realize like, okay, this is happening. What can we, what can we do about this? You know? Yeah. I think the difficult thing at this time is, you know, 
revenue generation and a public health service mm -hmm. where yes we all need a certain amount of money in order to pay the bills and grow i think it's a difficult time i guess to to grow a business significantly it, it could be a great time depending on how successful you are at marketing a telehealth service or some other means of revenue generation but you you kind of at least have to keep the things afloat for the time being weather the storm and then on the other side of it just try to prepare to hit the ground running when yeah. uh, it's safe enough and i i'm definitely with the contingent that it is my obligation as a not only just an american citizen but a healthcare provider to do no harm yeah and in order to do that i need to help be one of those people who are not contributing to possible um, transmission of the coronavirus because I could very well have it right now and I'm not expressing any symptoms. I'm really trying to limit my time spent outside and I love being outside and it's killing me not to be at the gym, but mm -hmm. at the same time, this is greater than me. This is greater than business. I will adapt if need be to, you know, possibly discover, you know, small business uh, relief opportunities or something like that, depending on how things progress. But as of right now, we need to flatten the curve. This yeah. isn't, this is not dying anytime soon. And a lot of people's lives will be at stake if mm -hmm. we continue to pretend that life can continue as it had been. Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it there. Um, what, you know, you, you talk about, you like going outside, you're like being out there. I've seen a lot of your videos of uh, doing uh, different, different uh, types of workouts and exercise outside. Um, yeah. When, cause it, it kind of hit everybody at a different time, right? Like when people saw right. the severity of it and when they recognized the gravity of the situation, uh, mine was probably, uh, I think like March 12th or 13th, um, that the week of the, the week of March 9th, I was like, Whoa, Whoa. Mm -hmm. Like when, when would you say that like you kind of had that moment if there, if there was one? Yeah, I would say I'm trying to think of the dates I'm going based off of St. Patrick's day, which is last Tuesday. So I'd say the Thursday before that, and I have to look at account, I guess the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. The, no, the, the, the 12th, St. Patty's the 12th, day. The 12th. Yeah. it's the 12th. So yeah. I can barely keep track of which day it is anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the twilight um, zone, man. Yeah, it was around that time when I started to hear more about cases here and seeing, just going to, gro I think I realized it was real when I went to grocery stores and I couldn't find toilet paper or meat. Hmm. I think then I realized, okay, this is, even if it weren't a significant deal, my quality of life and my ability to live was impacted because let's face it, I had to go to like three or four different stores to find toilet paper. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, things changed pretty rapidly. And I was walking in Times Square, I think the day before on the 11th, and some woman was like, oh, you know, she walked by and she's like, oh, could you take a picture of me here? And I heard someone say, I'm not touching phones right now. And, you know, that was responsible of that gentleman to deny that, given how this disease can be transmitted. But 
Those right. are things that I, I would never hear. Maybe a polite decline, but with that explanation, you start to to appreciate how severe this this really is. Right. Did you have a moment or or a period of time where because I'm seeing this a lot and I even experienced it where um, you know it's such a large change and we're dealing with a, a very complex issue that I was having a hard time even focusing on anything, to be quite honest. Um, and I, I know a lot of other people are likely still dealing with that. And some people did in the past couple of weeks and it will be continuing like that in the future. Um, did you experience anything like that? It was difficult because the week that, you know, I decided to stop operations was a very busy week for me. You know, I'm a fairly new business and I was, I was doing very well. Like people were starting to get familiar with me. I had a lot of successful encounters with people who are passing on the good word. And I had a busy schedule mm. uh, the, the week I unfortunately had to uh, close up shop. So that was hard. But at the end of the day, I think about this situation from a more global perspective in that I cannot control that the effect that this has had on my business or anyone's business what i can control is okay i need to come up with a new plan to prepare content to prepare my process make sure my processes are in order uh, so that when i can operate again i'm not going to make any mistakes i'm going to have a better idea like how to run my business i'm going to have content already created so that the focus is just on uh patient quality of care i don't have mm -hmm. to focus as much on the administrative side of the business, I can focus more on quality of care because that's unfortunately uh, been compromised a little bit because I'm not as accessible to them. Right. And like on a, on a personal note, how have you always kind of dealt with uh, adversity that way? Um, you know, kind of putting your, it's kind of like the, all right, this is what it is. I got to put my head down and just go. Um, or do you feel like that was developed over time? No, historically, I've been one of those worry warts where I am so good. I'm generally good at creating a plan, but I start ruminating on things that I can't control, things in the future. Oh, how is this going to work out? I wonder if this girl is going to like me or things like that. And you're always thinking yeah, about yeah. something that's not right in front of you. Like this is right in front of us. We have to go right through it and you know experiences in my life have led me to this method of thinking because i think it's the healthiest way it's like trying to channel your any sort of negative energy into something positive is the best thing that you can do during a time where let's face it there's just a ton of negative things going on yeah absolutely um and you know with that with it being right in front of you and and, and you know talking about how you had been kind of more of a worry wart in the past. Like, is there, is there something that shifted? Like, when did that, when did that shift? How did you, how did you make that shift? Uh, it took a lot of um, introspection. You know, I was going through a really difficult time late last year where just a lot of things in my life were changing and there was just a lot of uncertainty. And I started to, you know, look more into meditation. I started reading a little, a couple more books on just like perspectives on how to manage, you know, stress. I read the book called The Upside of Stress. It was an excellent book. Uh, so things like that helped me 
learn mindset shifts, learn coping mechanisms. Mm. Not that I was unable, I'm a, I'm a pretty resilient, I like to think of myself as pretty resilient in nature, Right. but I always worry about things that were so far down the line or out of my control that it was affecting me too much in the moment. So I think I've done a better job after just a few negative life experiences to be like, okay, this sucks, but how am I going to be a better version of myself afterwards? So I look at this as uh, hopefully temporary. It's going to be temporary regardless, but just whether it's going to be one month or three months, we, we don't really know at this time. So it's like, right. how am I going to be a better provider? How am I going to be a better business owner? How am I going to be a better friend to people? This is really testing my ability to stay connected with people I can't have physical contact with. Uh, so I'm trying to find ways to strengthen areas that I didn't even know I had to strengthen. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's bringing a lot of uh, things up to the surface that people either weren't aware of or it's magnifying um you know people who struggle with anxiety and other uh, mental health issues i mean it's it's i think that's something that we're not talking about as much or uh, that i'm not hearing being talked about as much where i mean this is a an important time to like you said like figure out strategies to cope with stress figure out strategies to keep in touch with your friends and family and uh, establish new routines because uh, being cooped up at home, especially with, uh, you know, either people that maybe you don't get along with as well, or even if you do, like, it can be challenging to be in the same space as another human being for hours and hours and hours. So, um, yeah, like you said, just coming up with strategies is super, super important for just a mental health standpoint. Yeah. And I mean, even at this time, this is the, this is above, and I, I tell everyone is this is above me trying to capitalize as a business owner. I am, I am a resource. I try to, th these types of issues are why I became a physical therapist. Yes. I love sports. Yes. I became fascinated with anatomy, but connecting with people and really understanding how decisions are being made, how people's beliefs, people's perceptions about things, and why they decide to do things is all coming from up here. So if it's impeded by negative thoughts or fears or worry, how do we address that? And I'm trying to make myself available to as many people as possible to redirect their, their thoughts and offer a different perspective. Because not to say that my perspective is the right perspective, but worrying about things that are out of your control usually doesn't serve you well. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are, those are wise words. Um, what would you, what would you say to somebody who is, you know, dealing with um, something like that where they're just worrying, 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 they can't get out of their head. Um, like what are, what are some steps or strategies that either you've taken in the past that have been successful or um, that you've, seen people take i always think validating people's current state of being is important appreciating that these negative feelings or worries are are valid and that they're understood and i have personal experience you know having to cope with some of those emotions and, and feelings as well so i think starting there and letting them know that they're not alone that they're not the only person who is going through this or has gone through it 
and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel is important. So I usually start there. In this case, I would help people discover maybe something that they have never applied time to improve upon. Maybe they wanted to learn something like maybe be a better cook, maybe learn a new language. Maybe for me, what's been great is I started doing capoeira last year and a lot of it requires handstands and being good with doing various body weight positions. So outside of the gym, that is what I'm throwing all my energy into right now is perfecting those movements so that mm-hmm. A, I will attenuate the strength loss that I'm going to have in the gym because it's going to be inevitable. The bar is going to feel like you know, the Thor challenge where I'm lifting it and it's not coming off. It's going to be like Excalibur uh, trying to pull it out of the rock. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty, pretty shitty. Uh, but at the same time, that's out of my control. What's in my control is maybe I become better in other areas. I tell people thinking about when I talk about the gym, think about your lifts and think about where you're having trouble in all those lifts. So for example, I know a lot of people have difficulty locking out on their deadlift. So maybe their hip extensors are weak in that terminal range of hip extension. So maybe you work on A, either getting the range of motion that you're lacking or really work on that terminal hip extension, doing a single leg thruster off the off of your couch or mm-hmm. a single leg RDL or yeah. something to help improve performance. Uh, because let's face it, I can't replicate lifting 400 pounds off of the floor without a barbell, not that I know of. I don't want any volunteers to fall down and ask me to pick them up. It's not gonna, it's not gonna uh, work. Uh, but you could get a literally uh, like this thin. You could get a a K box. One of yeah. those, uh, one of the flywheel trainers. I don't know, uh, I don't know how much resistance it goes up to, but yeah, I've seen that. It it looks interesting, but even with like it seems like all the delivery services are on like back orders and on holds because yeah. of the demands. Yeah. So yeah. even getting one here would probably take a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy time. Thank you for saying uh, the, uh, how do you say it again? Capper? What is the? So there, I could say like an American capoeira. Or... <laughs> If you're speaking to someone who's Brazilian or Portuguese, yeah. capoeira, 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 okay, capoeira. Yeah, yeah, okay. I because I, I see you you post that all the time. I'm like, ah, I have no idea how to say this. Um, so thank you, thank you for clearing that up yeah, for, no. the, for the listeners <laughs> and myself. Yeah, <laughs> but again, um, having that diversity has helped me because it's kind of like if you only do one mode of exercise and that exercise required a gym or a class right now i'm sure it's been difficult to adapt yeah where i've seen a lot more people running than than used to run and i dislike running for long distances i'll be the first to admit that and uh luckily i have another avenue of exercise otherwise i would be kind of lost like many others maybe not as lost because i know exercise stuff but yeah Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, like you're talking about before, just having those different modes of exercise. Um, if somebody's just you know, struggling with the, 
rumination of what's going on, uh, kind of just acknowledging that uh, there are things we can and can't control. And then, uh, yeah, this is, like you said, if you're going to be home, like this is a great, and not working, this is a great opportunity to um, pick up something, like do more cooking, learn new recipes, uh, learn a language, uh, get into a yoga practice, maybe pick up meditation. Um, you know, there's so many different for me and for you, it sounds like online business. <laughs> um, so that's what's occupying a lot of my time. But uh, there, there's a lot of things that we can do. And I think people just need uh, some, maybe some guidance, some options. I think a lot of people feel like they don't have a lot of options right now too. Um, because, you know, it's a lot of changes happening right now. Yeah, just, there is kind of like an inundation of free content out there whether it be exercise classes, even I'm offering an exercise class two to three times a week just to try to connect with the local market and give people a means of exercising um, if they haven't found it. But even for me as a provider and doing continuing education, there is no shortage of continuing education at a discount or free at this time. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not bored at all right now. Right. I know a lot of people think, uh, just, you know, Netflix subscription, invest in all these other things. I barely have time to finish some books that I'm, I've been wanting to read for a while, right. just because I have all this educational content and then I'm pretty active on Instagram yep. and just, you know, trying to come up with this new business model every single day. I go to sleep pretty tired and, <laughs> <laughs> and online capoeira. Yeah, yeah. We have online capoeira, yeah. Wow, uh, okay. It's been challenging, but at the same time, it's pretty cool. How does how does that work? Uh, so the instructor gives us a set of moves to do, and then we all do them, and he's watching us through Zoom and trying to critique us as we go. Uh, we've actually focused a lot more on the cultural aspect of capoeira, which is like singing the songs, learning how to play instruments, uh, because it's more than just a, a flashy martial art. It really sure. does not undermine culture. So using this time to, you know, because we all have to contribute, whether we're doing better at, at fighting or playing, if you will, uh, people sing, people play instruments. It's all part of the experience of being a capoeirista. Mm -hmm. So I think he's using that time now to make sure those not, those loose ends are tied so that when we actually get back to the studio to train, we can focus primarily on training. Yeah, that's awesome. I've seen, yeah. I've seen, uh, seen that. Cap avoiding saying the name Capoeira. Capoeira. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that thing. Um, but you know that I'm seeing online like live yoga, different a bunch of CrossFit boxes or doing like online workouts. There's a, one of my friends out here who owns a CrossFit box. He is, uh, he's doing live uh, workouts for kids every day nice. at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, so that's, uh, that's another cool thing. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of really neat things that are happening right now. And I'm curious to see which ones uh, will continue to carry over and all, like almost create new industries. They're not new, but they'll just bolster um, these marketplaces a little bit more. Yeah, I think uh, I was talking to a colleague before and he was talking about trimming off the fat 
where it's kind of like anything that's not going to serve us well or isn't currently serving us well, we can kind of identify at this time and leave it in the past. And either those individuals or those industries are going to evolve or they're going to be left behind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the coming in to see your therapist three times a week, I mean, you know, maybe in some cases, but probably, probably not. Um, so we're going to, we might see a big uh, shakeup in the, in the industry, especially with, with uh, all this is happening. Yeah. It's going to be interesting for sure. Um, so we kind of talked about uh, coping strategies and, and such, and uh, talked about worry and rumination. Where do you think, uh, where do you think fear plays a role in all of this? Uh, if not at the top level of uh, importance and uh, on people's list of emotions right now, it should be close to it. Uh, I mean, I'm fearful of many things. I, I'd be the first to admit the financial uncertainty of the future mm-hmm. is real. And it's something to be fearful of. But again, you this is the hand that we've been dealt and you have to find a way to play that hand. Now, I'm trying to, and I encourage other people to play that hand without compromising your morals or acting unethically or in someone, and not in someone's best interest, but fear is real. And I know a lot of people, especially in the high risk category of uh, dying from this illness, mm. some of them don't know when they'll see the light of day again. At least I have the opportunity to leave my apartment. And if I do become infected, I will have a high likelihood of survival. Not that I have a guaranteed survival um, percentage, but a very high likelihood versus, you know, my parents, my grandparents, older Medicare patients. Yeah. They're walking on eggshells for the next few weeks, if not months. And even after the curve flattens, there might be a little bit of trepidation walking out again and Mm -hmm. resuming their, their normal, uh, their normal lives. Yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely a, a scary time. And I, I, I definitely am with you with, uh, you know, not only the financial ramifications of, you know, you and I seem like we're in the a similar, similar boat where we both, I, I was also very busy the week before I closed down and uh, starting to finally pick up some steam and, uh, you know, having to make that decision was challenging. But again, like we've been talking about, I think the, the, public health risk in the global like what's more important than making money is making sure that uh, my clients are safe and that your clients are safe and that as a community we stand together to fight this thing versus i'm going to make you know two thousand more dollars or or whatever it might be it's more for larger clinics but um you know it's a it's a, it's a challenging thing. So there's definitely the fear of that, the financial ramifications. Um, that's huge. A lot of uncertainty. We'll see what happens with this new stimulus bill that's getting passed hopefully today. Um, and then also just, yeah, like you said, with especially a lot of, I'm, I'm participating with Medicare. So uh, 50 to 60% of my caseload is uh, people 65 and older. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm doing some virtual visits with some of them and, They've decided, yeah, we're concerned, but you know, there's nothing that we can really do about it. So we're just going to stay put, and uh, we're going to keep doing our homework. We're going to keep just uh, 
try to stay as active as we can, go on walks, you know, stuff like that. So um, it's a little easier for people in less crowded areas to feel a little more comfortable getting outside uh, and going for, for walks. Like in my, in my neck of the woods, it's like, if I go for a walk, I'll maybe see like a couple of people versus right. you go and walk in New York City. It's <laughs> keeping, <laughs> keeping six feet away from people here is tough. It's, it's, it's probably almost impossible. Um, Although I've never seen the city like this. Never. Hmm. Even when I do go out, it's a ghost town in most areas, yeah. which is a good thing that people are taking this seriously here. But yeah. I just never thought I would ever see the day. Right. Yeah. It's a shocker to, to everybody. I had a client who's, uh, he's, let's see, he's like 80, 82, 83, something like that. And we were talking and they're sharing, uh, yeah, I've never lived through something like this. Right. Which, uh, so this is new to everybody, unless you were alive during like 1918, which. Yeah, There's probably a few. There's probably a couple of people, but they were like probably babies. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is, this is just unprecedented for everybody and, uh, and a challenge, but, um, I think you, you just made a lot of good points of, uh, control what we can control. Um, yeah, being able to, uh, come up with new and exciting things that we can do at home, taking up new, uh, endeavors and focusing on the positive and, uh, forward thinking. Um, I, I just, I don't think that like, like you were talking about, just ruminating is going to do any good. Um, I made a, made a couple of Facebook live videos talking about, uh, how I was ruminating for a week. Like I was, I was really ruminating for a week and something snapped me out of it. And I wrote down in my, in my journal, I was like, uh, if you keep ruminating, it will do nothing. What is your next action step? What is your, what are you going to do about it? Um, and so like, it's okay to be fearful and scared for a time. Uh, and that, that might continue, but we have to, at some point choose to take some sort of action um, to, to address it for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately what we do as providers is when people are stuck in this fear, um, worry, chronic pain loop, we try uh -huh. to find that lowest hanging fruit as they, as they say, and help them help facilitate them to, you know, find new perspective and find value in movement and find, uh, value in just, you know, not worrying so much about things, but it's obviously not as cut and dry as that. And that's why it takes a, a complex or should I say abstract. That's approach. right. That's not, right. <laughs> I had to, I had to sell do it, it, buddy, sell it. But, but for real, I mean, this is what we do. And yes, it happens to us as well. Uh, but if we don't practice what we preach, then, you know, it's a shame on us. Correct. Shame on us. Um, so what, you know, I, I know that we're running close to close to time here. Uh, what, what would be the one thing, uh, that you would like to, to leave people with? What would be the one thing, um, that you would, you'd give to people? Stay home. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. stay home, go out when you need to, 
understand that if you care about the person next to you, your neighbor, your family member, the best thing you can do right now is to limit your exposure, especially if you have a high likelihood of uh, contracting this illness. Uh, I know it's terrible right now. I know all of our lives are impacted by it, but if you really want normalcy to be established anytime soon, uh, this is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what's the, what's the best way for people to contact you and follow what you are doing? Yeah, so uh, you can look me up. My name is Jordan Seda on Google. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of things popping up. Uh, but my Instagram handle is the abstract physio. Uh, I did that mainly so Canadians and uh, British people like me and understand <laughs> who I am. And it, it's better than the abstract physical therapist on Instagram. So yeah. uh, all jokes aside, so on the abstract physio, my website's also the abstract physio.com. I have a Facebook page. Uh, pretty much if you want to find me, you'll find me. Okay, perfect. Yeah, well, this has been, uh, this has been a lot of fun, Jordan. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your insight with us. Yeah, hopefully next time we're on the podcast together, COVID-19 will be in our past and we'll be talking about how we've triumphed uh, from a negative experience and uh, turned in, turned our businesses around and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's my hope. We'll get back on in like six months. Hopefully not six months. Well, I mean, I don't. <laughs> Hopefully six weeks. <laughs> Uh, need, need more time in between to track the progress though you know so. yeah i guess <laughs> do we might as well start recruiting our uh, sample our uh, case study patients right now yeah well there you go well hey thanks uh, jordan I, I really appreciate it my pleasure man Howdy, my friend. Thank you for tuning into the show. I hope you took something useful and actionable from it. It is my hope and desire with these podcasts that it sparks new ideas for you, that it gets you to think about your own life in different ways, that it builds better thoughts, and that you're able to make progress in your business, if you have one, and your life, because we have all got one of those. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button so you can get notified every single time a new episode comes out. Until next time, and as always, think big or go home.